know if we're on yet or not. All right. Good morning. Mm. We're here. Everyone's here. With me, as always, is uh, Miko the Man Factor. Good morning. And also, a uh, returning guest on his way to being a Squawk veteran, we got Sam Morstain. Sam, how you doing, man? I'm alive. I'm alive. alive I'm chilling. I woke up at 8.42 this morning, and I'm on no coffee, so this is very baseline Sam. I don't know if anybody's talked to baseline Sam in about three years, so we'll see how it goes. Man. This is a treat. You really know how to sell yourself. Um, <laughs> well, uh, listen, we got a lot to talk about. It's uh, Respect Your Cat Day. It's Respect Your Cat Day? Yeah, according to nationalholiday.com. Okay. They're just making them up at this point. I know, man. I uh, had no idea. But needless to say, if there's a cat in your life, just make sure you tell them that you love them. Uh, just give them that much. Also, it's uh, opening day, which is uh, pretty huge. Yeah. Opening yeah. day for what? Baseball. Golf. Okay. <laughs> baseball. I'm, I'm bad at following sports, especially baseball. Man. It's. Uh, I think it's going to be a good season. I. Uh, I saw R- Cubs are playing at uh, in Texas, playing Rangers today. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm just calling it. If you guys want to place any bets, uh, I I would say Red Sox are going to be in the World Series. I don't yeah. think that's a very <laughs> bold bet, but I think the team that won last year will be good again this year. Man, they got almost everyone coming back. I mean, that's fair. Like that. That's that's fair. They're like. On, they're like they're like the two thousand Yankees. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, they're pretty stacked. Knowing nothing about baseball, I feel like I could pretty much always say that the Red Sox and the Yankees are going to go pretty far, regardless of year or team standings or anything like that. They're they're just like the military industrial complex of baseball. They're they're going to do all right. I want to see. Uh, I want to see how the Phillies do this year. You know, clearly adding uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Harper famous listener of Squawk Talk. I want to see, I mean, they're paying him hundreds of millions of dollars over 13 years. Like, I think he needs to hit the ground running. You know, he needs to start. He needs to come out swinging, literally. Um, otherwise, he's going to be in the hot seat quick. And I think, I mean, either they're going to love him or they're going to hate him. And I think that, for I mean, it's, just, it's not fair, but if he doesn't, you know, play well the first couple of months, I think the city might turn on him quicker than he expects. Is it wrong to hate him because of how much money he's making now? No, I hate anybody who makes more money than me. Yeah. <laughs> including my roommate, Keaton. So, take that, Keaton, if you're listening. Who's, who are y'all teams? Y'all, are y'all actually following anybody or just the sport in general? Uh, I follow the Chicago Cubs. I think I knew that, actually. Put some money on the Cubs. Yeah. I like the Cubs. I love the Red Sox. But at the end of the day... Texas Rangers. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Man, so we gotta we gotta think of a good bet. You know, who who takes you know the 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 opening series. You know, if the Rangers win, I do something. If the Cubs win, you do something. Let's let's kind of let's think on it during the show and kind of come back to it. Yeah. And maybe Sam, if you have something good too, that's you know squawk appropriate. We could mm. we could bring I'll up. Think about it. Yeah. The Rangers win. You have to wear a University of Texas jersey every day for a week. Ooh. Buddy, that's, that's a hard one for no, you. That's, <laughs> we're said no, that's we're We're not talking the Longhorns. We're talking about Texas in general. No, ooh, no. Okay, well, well let's let's come back to it. One uh, Texas team, every Texas team, Miko. Oh, we'll let it, we'll let no. it simmer, and yeah. we'll come back to it. But uh, also, it's uh, it's uh, Vince Vaughn's birthday today. Longtime friend and listener of the show, Vince. Uh, Happy birthday, Vince. Support. Yeah, Fred Claus himself. Um. So did you guys uh, see that Apple Live event? 
No, I don't pay attention to Apple. I saw the big highlights. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to sit down and watch Tim Apple <laughs> talk about Tim Apple, <laughs> quote unquote, new products. Yeah, I think I think some stuff look cool. I mean, obviously, the credit card is a game changer. Um, it, is it though? I, I think if Venmo and Cash App are doing a credit card now, it's like is feel, it just like a physical Apple Pay? Pretty much. Doesn't right? that defeat the but purpose it's, it's of Apple through, Pay? Well, it's through the Wells Fargo Bank, so I think it's like a legitimate. Oh, yeah, oh, so it's like a legitimate card, credit, credit card. card. Yeah. Okay, because the, the cash app and the Venmo are basically debit cards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's like a legitimate uh, credit card. I mean, there's some cool things that I actually kind of like. You know, I got a card a few months ago. Kind of made me wish I could get like the Apple one, but I don't want to like. You know, there's there's no point in tanking my credit this early. But um. It's two percent cash back daily, so you don't have to wait till like the end of the month. And then it's three percent cash back on any like Apple things you buy. So you know if you're if you're big, you know if you're buying a MacBook, if you're buying, um, you know some some sick AirPods, you know the I second got, gen AirPods. I gotta have that Apple pencil. Oh, for sure, the Apple Watch. You know, there's multiple generations. You could just have them all the way up your arm like a bunch of Rolexes. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's <laughs> that's what's missing on every single red carpet is somebody with an an arm sleeve <laughs> of Apple, Apple watches, each one set to a different function. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see that. Wake up, Hollywood! Let me see your heart rate. Um, but I I don't know. I think it's I think there's cool stuff going on. Um, I, I still I don't see a big difference in the first and second generation AirPods, just I, the I'm way they either. charge. Man, I remember whenever the Apple Watch came out. So, do you all know who Casey Neistat is? Have you followed him at all? He's a he's sort of like the Uber millennial. He's a YouTuber who does a lot of uh, content creation, a lot of YouTube stuff. And uh, whenever the first Apple Watch came out, he and, got and, and he's a sellout. Just want to get that. That is that is true. That is true. That is true. Um, but he got the gold one, that really expensive gold one, because he just loves Apple so much. But he said that. Uh, I made a video saying that the, the regular band that came with it just for what like a $15,000 gold Apple Watch or some mess like that, he just wasn't impressed by the basic band. So he had a friend Did of his. Did you say 15? I honestly have no idea. That's just ball- a ballpark. Mm. You could look it up for us. But the gold Apple Watch was a whole heap of money. And he had a friend of his who does leatherworking take an old like Louis Vuitton purse and custom make him a Louis Vuitton band for his gold Apple Watch. And as somebody who's kind of really driven by materialistic things ever since then, that's just been my personal definition of success. That's a Louis V. A custom Louis V gold Apple Watch. Yeah, Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing seventeen thousand dollars. Um Wow. I gotta talk to my leather guy. Yeah. (laughs) He's been Rick Flair on an Apple Watch. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's that's incredible. Uh, I would also like to have just that level of disposable income. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I don't think I'll ever get to that level because I buy. Not, so not with much that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I have a large cash influx all at once, I'm not exactly somebody who saves money well, and so I could see myself like, oh, I got a thousand bucks, let me go spend four hundred real quick on, you know, on shoes, for example. You, you own know? a pair of four hundred dollars shoes? Uh, I wish. I go window shopping a lot when it comes uh, to shoes. I feel that. I feel that. Um, one of these days, you know, when I when I have some money coming in, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think I could. I say that now. I don't think I could bring myself to do it. Who knows? I'm sure that my judgment will get worse as I go along. Yeah, I mean that's how it seems to be going for a lot of the people I know. Um, 
but at the end of the day, you know, you just gotta do you, mm -hmm. buy what you want. I do sometimes catch myself. I feel like torturing is a bit excessive, but I will <laughs> every once in a while look on the website of like Neiman Marcus or something or Barney's and just be like, oh, that's how the other half lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I do a lot of sneaker shopping as well on on a Goat, mm -hmm. the, the resale app. I've got a, I've got several always in my head that I'm like. Whenever I'm rich, whenever it happens, I'm I'm copping these ones. I've, yeah, I've heard good things about that app as well as Grail. Grailed is sort of different than Goat or StockX. Goat. Is, it, is it Grail or Grailed? Grailed. Oh, gotcha. Um, as far as I know, I haven't really explored Grailed that much, but Grailed to me seems to be more of a direct resale market. The really cool thing about Goat and StockX, they basically do the exact same thing. I've bought from Goat. I haven't bought from StockX is they uh, list bids and so you can either make a bid for a shoe or you can buy it now in your size, you can see the running prices and then whenever you buy the shoe, the seller sends it to GOAT first for uh, third-party evaluation authentication and if it's good, if it's, if it's a legit shoe, GOAT sends it to you. If it's not, you get your money back and GOAT sends it back. So it's it's a really nice way to cut out a lot of the risk that's inherent with the uh, like sort of hype beast resale market because of how many fakes there are out there. So I don't know that because I'm I've also been in the Goat app, never bought anything off there. I've looked recently. I saw some shoes that I wanted last year that are three hundred bucks or down to about one hundred and twenty. Well, what shoes, if you don't mind me asking? They are. Um, oh, let me let me pull up the exact. They're some Adidas. They're very sweet to. Uh, to get to to build the hype, um, they like the Ultra Boost. Yeah, they're they're Ultra Boost. I think they're the the, the newer. Like I said, I was looking this morning. Uh, this morning I was also very asleep. They are the um, yeah Adidas Ultra Boost undyed, and so they're just they're not dyed white. They're not dyed. They're I mean they're just they're very white. They're raw. Okay, yeah. I like those. Good radio. You know, for yeah, everybody, perfect everybody radio. Listening. Everybody can see this. Try and paint a very vivid yeah. picture of what that shoe looks like. Ultra Boost ATR mid undyed, and the let mid. Let me see. Let me see. Because I like the. So I, I like it coming up a little bit. Yeah, so it's it's a mid level shoe with that nice knit Ultra Boost upper with that really soft cloudy yeah. foam on the bottom, and the whole thing is just a super crispy white, like as white as your plain phone screen. Like the whole thing's just a marshmallow. That was incredible. It's like That's I was looking for. at the That's shoe. what I'm here for. Color commentary. Our, uh, our commentary on colors. Our Undyed color commentary. Our uh, blind squawkers are uh, thanking you right now. Yeah. Well, they couldn't but. see it anyway. It's radio. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm just... I'm thinking about pulling the trigger. I know that I need to be, like, responsible, so I might just ask my family to get us, like, a graduation present. Man, well, hang on. Life expectancy is 72, 79 in yeah. America. You got uh, so much time to be responsible. Man. But at the same time, I, I firmly believe in treating yourself. You know, you're about to graduate. You're going to get a job lined up. And am, I've, I've, I've made one real shoe purchase. I, made, I bought some Yeezy Calabasas with some Christmas money this year. Yeah. And then when those things came in How'd and they hit my feet, I felt like a new human being, Nico <laughs> Factor. There is nothing in the world that can make you feel as good about yourself as a new pair of sneakers, <laughs> man. Maybe that's just me. Let, me. let me ask you guys a question. What size shoe do you guys wear? 12. 12, Twelve in 13. every brand. Twelve in every brand. Thirteen. I'm twelve. I'm twelve in some. Thirteen in others. I found myself. I'm about a, a, a thirteen. Actually, I found one pair of shoes that uh, were twelve and a halves. 
fit perfectly. Interesting. But I wear a 13. And it's so hard to find good shoes, like, at at the store. You know, you try to, like, dress shoes. You know, you go up to the Dillard's, JCPenney's, Macy's, wherever. Yeah. You, there, there might be one or two pairs of, like, 13s. See, that's interesting because I, it, w- on the rare occasion that I do shop in-store, I never have a problem finding 12. Maybe, I think 12 might be kind of, like, a common and cutoff. Yeah. I mean, I, that that would make sense, I mean, because I think, I don't know, that seems like a, a, a nice, like, a mentally good number to just cut it off at. Um, thir- or also, but, like, with, with 13s, you know, like, as on the GOAT app, you know, you can look, you can say, you know, this shoe, and it shows you all the prices for all the different sizes. It's always the bigger the foot, the more expensive the shoe, which is incredibly unfair. Um, I don't know if they just assume that people with bigger feet have more money, you know. if They assume we're taller, so we're more successful. They have to have more testosterone, I would I think it's largely just supply and demand. Yeah. Do what? I think it's a lot of it is supply and demand with those limited release shoes. Like, they just don't make as many for yeah. the really upper sizes. And yet they sell them out completely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually speaking to a guy. He, um, someone I used to go to church with was a manager at a Foot Locker. And, you know, when they send units of shoes, what they'll do is, I think said like that eight and nine, they'll send, uh, for, for example, like like 10, 10 of each. But then as you know, you, you move into like the um, the 10 and the seven, they'll do like, like six of each. And the more you move up, the less of each shoe they're shipping. And he said, actually, by the time you get to like 13, 14, they're sending one pair of those shoes. Wow. So yeah, if you're not if you're not getting you know like the the quick release, I mean if you're not getting them immediately when it comes out, you're not going to get them from the store. And I don't know, so that's it, it makes it hard to find good shoes. But the advantage is I'm poor, so I'm not often shopping for shoes. So it's something I have to I have to legitimately worry about that often. Yeah. So. I uh, I used to go to camp as a kid, Camp Deer Run. If anyone is uh, familiar with I've it. I've heard of it. I've never been there. Yeah, Do you well, chase deer? Do you run after the deer? Um, Did the deer run after you? Ooh, that sounds awful. Guys, I really don't want to talk about the deer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, there was this guy. He's actually an OC alum. Spencer. What was his last name? Johnson? Yeah, I think it was. No, not Johnson. Irrelevant. This <laughs> guy was 5'8", five, 5'9", five, size 17 feet. The guy was like looked like a clown, like clown shoes. Was he like like done growing? Yeah. Like, I mean, I see the advantage if you lived on a mountain, you would never have to buy skis because you have them permanently attached. That's yeah. a good point. But beyond a huge that, upper hand. Beyond that, I feel like I, I don't. That's, that's rough. Yeah, that blows my mind. Like I feel like. Being, you know, I'm six foot, almost six one. I claim six one. Uh, six one on Tinder. What What does your license exactly. say? Oh man, my license was never updated after the first time I get it, so it still says five eleven, one hundred and forty five pounds. Not true. Put on some weight. Skinny Miko. Yeah, put on. I some did see a picture of you from a few years ago. Whenever I think it might have been Dylan Byron's birthday, mm-hmm. put up a picture of you from your sophomore year, and I was like, "Dang, Miko was skinny." I was. I put on about twenty five pounds. Good the sophomore job. Year. Yeah, I was. I was very underweight. But yeah, so back to this. Back to this uh, freakishly proportioned man. Yeah. Um, 
He's a good guy if that's okay. any consolation. Okay. Don't Sorry that I called you freakish, good yeah, guy. Don't just judge him by his feet. He's uh, He's got some great character. Okay. Uh, is it true what they say about big feet with this guy? Yeah. That he has big socks? Well, yeah, I was going to say bi- big mustache. The guy, oh. had a, guy had a killer stash. Really? Mustaches full, are powerful. Full Tom Selleck. Man, they command respect. They, I really do. I think I had a mustache for a while, and uh, it wasn't necessarily the best mustache in the world. And a lot of people gave me some heat for it. But, uh, man, that mustache kind of really changed it. Changed me. It kind of made me into the man that I am. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't grow facial hair. I mm. think, uh, you know, I'm one quarter Seminole. It's a Native American tribe. And one of the just, one of the genetic things you see in a lot of Seminoles, which I, I mean a, a lot of Native Americans, which I think comes from, you know, the Asian heritage from thousands of years ago, is just we don't have a lot of just body hair, facial hair in general. Uh, it, I would like to grow a mustache. I don't even care about the rest, like the goatee. I just think just growing a thick mustache would be sweet. Yeah. Um, Currently, I don't know if you guys know Tyler Smith. He's Trey and Brant's brother and Kai. Yeah, yeah. He has a killer stash. I know. He on. came out of nowhere. I was talking to him the other day. Like, that's a really, yeah. really impressive, just full, like, Burt Reynolds mustache. And all these girls are like, oh, you should right, shave it. You should cut it. Don't listen to him, Tyler. No, no Tyler, stay strong. Be your own we, man. We believe in you. Have the courage to rock what you're rocking. Do it for, Do it for the ones who can't. Do it for the boys. Just do, it, just do it for the troops. Yeah. Oh, do it true. for the troops. Mustache for the troops. Do it for the troops who can't. And uh, I got to do this. We got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Radio FX. With Radio FX, radio is made easy. That's uh, not their slogan. Uh, not yet. But uh, <laughs> Not yet. I'm looking to trademark that. Mm-hmm. Get some. Uh, make it easy. Make it sleazy. Radio FX. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, so... Sam, we had you on the show last time. That was like, that 2018 or? No, it was this year. Yeah? You didn't have this show in 2018. Yeah, I did. I had two did you? Sh- yeah. Two, I, I had two oh, I'm sorry. I'm ignorant. Oh, I apologize no, for that no, comment. No, no. That's ignorant. That's ignorant. Um, but man, unfortunately, that is the only Squawk Talk that did not make it into the archives. That's rough, because I thought that was a really good I episode. I thought that was one of the best squawks we've had. I don't exactly remember what we were talking about. I remember Disney World at one point. Uh, Disney World, politics. Politics, a lot of politics. A lot of politics. And I I got a lot of uh, political stuff on my mind today, if you guys will indulge. Okay. I'm here for it. Um, Are we talking like... Like OC, like club politics, like that, our new president Will Gathright, or yeah, we some like interesting developments. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, congratulations. Or Will Gothright, yeah, as it was spelled on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, whoever, whoever's behind the Delta account, not that we all know in this room, who's behind it. Um, couldn't couldn't. I honestly spell. don't know right now. Uh, don't know? <laughs> I don't know who uh, has the keys I'll, I'll right now. I'll tell you guys off air. Okay. It's not me. I wish it was me. If it was me, we'd, we'd tweet a lot more, a lot more angrily. So it's probably a good thing it's not me. Yeah, fifth years are too bitter to have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Will winning president, Trey winning VP. Uh, we got Madison McDonald winning Gamma president. JP Holsberry winning Kai president. Who, JP's a nice guy. Yeah. Who uh, who got Theta president? Uh, Kylie Marquez. Mar- Marquez? I don't know how to say her last name. Uh, Kylie. Marquise? No, it's it's. Marquez. I don't think so. I think it's Marquez. Marquez. She's the one. She's really involved with Capitol Hill with uh, with Trey Smith. Oh. Um, she's a. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know her that well. I kind of knew her my sophomore year, but I mean, I think people in Theta say she's gonna do a good job, so I'm inclined to believe them. Um, but yeah, I think I think Delta has a very solid officer class from the top down. Yeah, I'm I'm about to graduate, so I don't really care. <laughs> uh, past the fact that I do believe that my favorite club is in good hands, and I'm really proud of the leadership that's carried us to this point, and I see. A Are we bright talking future. about Phi? Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely talking about fire right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with it, too. Um, Jackson Boobin, I will not be donating, so don't call me next year <laughs> uh, for Homeward. But, uh, yeah, so other politics, I feel like there's yeah. a more national I think, yeah, there's a into. equally as uh, important uh, stuff going on in the national arena. <laughs> we had yesterday the Dems were... Uh, battling or fighting for the Green New Deal and uh, demanding that action be taken on climate change? Action should be taken on climate change. The world is going to be unlivable in 15 years. Did you see an inconvenient truth? I have not seen an inconvenient truth, but I was listening to a recent Joe Rogan podcast. I forget the guest. I'll look him up real quick. Who recently wrote a very comprehensive book. Was it Alex Jones? No, it was not Alex Jones. You can't trust that guy. I don't trust Alex Jones. Oh, come on. You don't... Man, Alex Alex Jones is um, he's I think he's I think he's crazy. I don't believe I I think he doesn't believe half the stuff he says. I think he's playing a character, yeah. Yeah, man, there's like a huge conspiracy. I'm sure Sam, you know, like that he's Bill Hicks, like that old Texas comedian. Which and I I, I had no idea what Bill Hicks. Yeah, was a lot of people think that he's Bill Hicks. Man, he looks exactly like Bill Hicks. It's kind I have of to creepy. look look this person up. I've never heard of. But him. man, that guy definitely knows how to market himself, like. No, but um, knows how to move that protein. It was David Wallace Wells, deputy editor and climate colonist for New York Magazine, who recently published a book, "The Uninhabitable Earth: Life After Warming," and uh, it was Joe Rogan Experience number uh, one thousand two hundred and fifty-nine. Um, not a very happy time. Not a very bright look at our future. Uh, Mr. Wells seems pretty depressed and pretty unhappy with the way things are going and it has sort of a bleak view of everything. Not very optimistic? No, there's not really many reasons to be optimistic. No. Well, yeah, because, I mean, everything from what I've heard, um, it sounds like it's almost, if not already, irreversible. Yeah, yeah. Right now, from my understanding, the majority of climate scientists in the world are focused upon adaptation instead of prevention. Um trying to make sure that we will at some level survive instead of reversing the effects just because the amount of enormous policy change and the amount of money that would have to flow and the amount of hearts and minds that would have to be changed in order to reverse anything is just so monumental i actually there, there's a huge uh, it's not huge but it's a good podcast it's on uh wmyc like new york radio and it's uh the host is alec baldwin and he had uh, two climate scientists from, it was either Columbia or Berkeley on, um, and one is working with the government right now trying to remedy the situation. But she, she actually did say that there are some things to be optimistic about, and that's that Europe is uh, really cutting back on its emissions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if the United States would just get behind something, take some kind of initiative, then uh, we'd set a pretty good example. But see, here's, here's the other problem is that 
the the real damage isn't necessarily going to come from Europe and America at this point it's because China. we're developed economies. India. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the problem is, uh, so all of the fastest growing economies in the world are in Africa. India is growing really fast. China is still using coal to a large degree. The reason that we got so big so quickly, one of the big reasons is that we had access to really cheap energy resources that we utilized. So a lot of these developing economies that are going to explode in the next 20 years are going to be forced because they don't have the infrastructure and money. This is all my understanding. I'm not an expert. But they don't necessarily have like the access to the really clean green energies yet. So they're going to be relying on diesel and coal and all of these other, you know, dirty energy resources. I mean, you look at you look at China, you look at India, you know, they're uh, I mean, China's the biggest pollutant on earth. Yeah, um, like also, I would dare to say, I mean, I, I'd imagine they're the biggest manufacturer in the world, too. I, I'd assume. No doubt, no doubt, yeah. I think. Uh, India also, you know, um, I, I'm looking for, like, recent stats. All I can find is stuff from 2015, um, from, like, legitimate sites. You know, I saw something on Twitter saying that uh, India and China combined, I think it was, like, 65% of, like, the pollution on Earth. And so that's why I'm kind of I'm kind of skeptical. Like even if the United States does something like big, does does something like intense, like w- how much of an impact is that really going to have? Yeah, it has to be everyone. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I don't think I don't think India is capable of it. China might be, but I think they're they're more concerned about money. I mean, if they're concerned about the environment, they would have made changes a long time ago. Because you know, you look at pictures of Beijing now. You look at pictures of like major. Chinese cities and it's just so polluted, you know, there's smog alerts, people wear those masks. I, I watched a video and people have died from smog. Yeah, like that's crazy. Plants. Man, and like kids are growing up with like emphysema mm. and lung diseases and it's it's really sad. And yeah. I'm calling out uh, President Jinping. Um, this Jinping? Is on, the blood is on your hands, sir. We're coming for you, pal. Oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't want it, the Chinese government coming after me, but, um, <laughs> but no, but, Going back to like the Green New Deal, it's a complete overhaul. It calls for a lot of action, and frankly, I don't think it's the right way to deal with the situation whatsoever. You're talking about, first of all, it was proposed by Jill Stein Ooh. in the Green Party, and I, I don't know, Jill Stein was kind of a, an odd bird to me. Yeah. Um, however, that being said, they've expanded on it exponentially, and... Uh, Requires for all build or requires all buildings to uh, operate on a smart grid um, and cut emissions in half by 2030. Uh, I've visit- got a quote from physicist Christopher Clark. This guy estimated that uh, constructing new generation technologies for uh, less emissions would cost at least two trillion dollars, and. Uh, him and other financial analysts have warned that this could actually plunge the United States into a second Great Depression. Because not o- love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like not only not only it'd be one thing if this was just about climate change, but they're also trying to uh, tackle income inequality, and it's just like it's like Bernie Sanders' whole platform in one. That's <laughs> in one so proposal. that's so broad, you know. It um, is, and I'm not opposed to you know doing things for for you know a better climate climate change, you know, for for something better. I'm not opposed to, you know, tackling income inequality. You know, as someone on the poorer side, if I was on the richer side, I wouldn't care. But as someone on the poorer side, I would like to even the playing field a bit. But I feel like those two things are so different 
that you can't just smush it all together. Otherwise, right. uh, things become unorganized. A lot of things may slip through the cracks, and it it won't have the the effect that you know, even if these people are going in with the purest of intentions, which I doubt. Um, you know, I doubt any political politician has pure intentions. I, even if they're going in with the purest intentions, I don't think that this will help. Um, you know, help change the reality for a lot of people. It'll just cost them more money. Yeah, and I read some some statistic or not statistic, but some fact that said that if the Green New Deal were to pass, an average of somewhere between five hundred to two thousand buildings would have to be deconstructed, like torn down and rebuilt. But per day, not rebuilt in a day, but torn down. Right. And like that, like per day, like up to the next for the next year or two years. That's insane. It is, man. And that I feel like that's a great way to cripple an economy. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint. Uh, if this goes through, I'm going to be starting my own construction company. Absolutely. Um, so interestingly enough, just, just um, squat construction, we're going to call it. So just be on the lookout. Squat construction. Yes. I love so. That. I know you've read this book, uh, Boomtown, by Sam Anderson. Maybe these politicians should take a look at the history of OKC because OKC kind of tried to do exactly that for different reasons. Uh, was it the 70s or the 80s when they blew up, uh, I think, around like 750 acres of property downtown because they were experiencing an oil boom and they got the city planner to come in and kind of revitalize everything. So they just went wild and started destroying all of the old historical buildings in an effort to completely revitalize and rebuild downtown. And then the oil boom ended, and downtown was a parking lot for 20 years. Man, I also I thought it was really interesting just learning like where the name Boomtown came from. It's the yeah. mil- military setting up bases or testing grounds here, right? And they would do test flights. Breaking the sound barrier was supersonic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Boeing uh, running test. F- uh, programs for a commercial supersonic jet program. Yeah, that's fascinating. And yeah. So when when was this? This was in the fifties during yeah. the sort of space age supersonic age. It's actually a really funny story because uh, the citizens of OKC, uh, according to like anthropologists and sociologists that were studying the effects of being subjected to multiple sonic booms a day yeah. every day, uh, found that the citizens of OKC were somewhat like remarkably unwilling to complain about anything and we're just super you know stiff upper lip about every problem and they just kind of thought that nothing would ever get better or change so there's no point but the sonic booms affected them to such a heavy degree that they petitioned congress to sort of like enact laws to prevent the supersonics program from going through and ended boeing supersonics program which actually the seattle supersonics were so named in a partnership yeah. deal with Boeing to promote the supersonics program. Huh. Then decades later, two oil millionaires from OKC, essentially through different kind of dirty means, stole the supersonics NBA team Suck from Seattle. Seattle. So two different times Take in history, <laughs> OKC yeah. has stolen a supersonics program from Seattle. Um, yeah. Apologies to Seattle, I, but not apologies to Chris Burdine. I would just like to say that Last night, I worked at the Thunder game. I watched the Thunder beat the Pacers, watched Russell Westbrook play, Paul George, uh, Steven Adams. Uh, I don't think there was a basketball game in Seattle last night. Hmm. I don't think there was. I don't think there was. They talk hmm. a lot about being a coastal city with a lot going on and a lot popping, but they don't have an NBA team. Hmm. They just don't have the heart like we do here in OK, OKC. Not Speaking exactly. of NBA, uh, 
so I'm, I'm not good at following sports, but because all of my friends are, the NBA is probably the most up-to-date I am with any professional sports. Yeah. What, what do you think is going on later in the season? From what I've heard, if several of my friends, their theory is that the OKC Thunder is the only team in the West that can give Golden State a run for their money. I think that OKC needs to reach out to Ron Artest, um, Meta World Peace, get him back, get the team back in action, um, back where they should be. I mean, Miko, you're watching, like, you're you're working closely with them. Do you agree with that? Is that? I I don't know if the Thunder this year can beat Golden State. Well, without Ron Artest. Oh uh, yeah, with yeah, if we have Ron Artest, though, and Bose, if we can get Steph up out of there, you know, if we can get, get Clay Thompson out of there, um, you know, if we can if we can beat their coach up, Steve Kerr, you know, jump him in the locker room. <laughs> Uh, then, I'll then jump we, Steve we, Kerr. We might have a chance. But, um, you know, I saw the game a couple weeks ago. It was a Saturday night game against Golden State. Thunder got embarrassed. We couldn't That's hit a not shot. Good. Um, I don't know. I think they're just they're so good. If, if we play to our max potential, which I think we've only done a couple times all season, we might have a shot. But also when we played them, they didn't have Kevin Durant who, as much as I hate to say it, is the best scorer in, in, in the NBA right now. Oh, yeah, he has NBA been his whole history. career. Um, and he's just a, another weapon that makes them, I don't know, I hate to say unfair because it's not, you know, it's not like... Golden State is unfair. It, it's, it's not, we're not forced to watch the NBA, you know. It's, it's something we choose to do. But it's just like, man, it really gets old watching the Thunder lose to this team every time since, you know, the 2016 playoffs. So I don't think this is our year, but, you know, if people are talking about Kevin Durant leaving next year, you know, if people are getting tired of Draymond Green, if, you know, whispers of Clay Thompson maybe I, moving to the Lakers. I hope people are, are tired of Draymond Green now. Yeah. I mean, Steve Kerr is. He, he got uh, – there, there's a camera on him on the sidelines where he got caught – Mouthing to one of his assistant coaches, I'm so freaking tired of Draymond. Except he didn't say freaking. Um, and that that might come up, you know, when when they're deciding who to pay and and you know how to pay everybody. Um, maybe Draymond's out of there. Maybe Draymond wants to go somewhere where he can you know lead and just show off that he's 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 good on his own merits, not because he's the fifth guy they have to guard. Draymond OKC? Oh, no. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want that. No, I'd send Draymond out. We already have East. Steve Adams. We don't. Send, send Draymond to, like, Milwaukee or something. Uh, then, oh, actually, no, then in Milwaukee, would win the, they'd win the finals. They'd be incredible. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, it's not the Thunder's year. If we can make a run to the finals, it'd be great. I, I... I'm guessing probably a second-round exit for us. Uh, I talked to Sam Presti one time at work, so I'm pretty much a Thunder expert. Well, and, and you, um, I think it was two or three squawks ago you talked about you implemented a new policy or you caused a new policy to be implemented in the NBA. This guy, Sam, this guy made NBA history. That's crazy. Uh, it was crazy. It wasn't on purpose. Basically, I, I, I went to sit – it was – an hour before I was supposed to be at work, but I just I showed up there early because they have a meal um, pre before each game, and I went and ate. I was done, so I was like, I'm just gonna go sit, you know, in in like in the lower bowl, you know, the 100 level, 
just to kill time until it's time for all of us to meet. Because outside there's no place to sit down. I'm not about to stand for an hour. You know, I'm not a troop. I can't do that. Um, so I go, nobody's in there. Just me and my friend Ryan were just hanging out. And then, like, I see a couple guys in suits come out. And I was like, hey, sweet, you know, other employees. Like, I'm, I'm cool to be here. And then I see, like, Westbrook come on the floor. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is this is trouble. They're about to have a practice. And, like, the whole team is there. So I get up to, to leave. Uh, and then, unfortunately, there's an NBA, like, not a not a, not a Chesapeake security guard, an NBA security guy. like, hey, hey, come here. Who are you? And I was just like, oh, my bad, man. I work for the team. I didn't realize the practice was scheduled. So he takes down, he takes a picture of my ID and my friend's ID. Oof. Emails my boss's boss's boss. And you never want an NBA security guard taking a picture of your ID. That's you know you're gonna have a bad day. So yeah, now now each time I'm uh now each time I'm getting in or uh, there's the email us you know about the meal about things. There, there's always there's a practice in the lower bowl at this time. Do not go in there if you're not authorized. It's like yeah, that's because me. Good job, Miko. Uh, I'm proud of you. That was, it was so frustrating, and. They, and I was telling, I was telling Biggers, you know, that type of stuff always happens to me. Just, this r- ridiculous, like, just coincidental moments uh, where I just like get in trouble or I just do something dumb. I don't know. I always seem like that happens to me. You're just a victim of circumstance, man. Yeah, man. Said it before, and I'll say it again. Hey, um, Facebook under fire by the U.S. government. Really? Yeah. What's going on? Did they sell our data again? Well, actually, it's for discrimination. Uh, The Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, filed charges against Facebook for housing discrimination, saying that uh, they would place ads for something like a bail, like bail bonds, and basically just yeah, advertising to like lower yikes Facebook lower class businesses to lower income areas, and vice versa uh, with higher income areas, but. But yeah, and uh, guy, uh, the head of the, I guess, I guess he's the head of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. His name is Ben Carson, but he said that using a computer to limit a person's housing choices can be just as, uh, just as discriminatory as slamming a door in someone's face. I don't know, man. I think it's time for uh, Zuckerberg and all his people to I think uh, we should pack burn up and Facebook. get out of town. I hate Facebook. Facebook is useless. I only go on Facebook because Chris Adair wishes people happy birthday. Uh, it's pretty much the only <laughs> notification I care about seeing from Facebook. Facebook is terrible. Nobody should use Facebook ever. Oh. What about this? Uh, amateur boxing, Zuckerberg versus the president of China. Loser has to pack up and um, stop invading people's privacy. Okay. If if the if uh, what's his name Ping? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jin, so Jinping, right? Jin. It's G. Is it G Jinping or? I'm, I'm gonna look it up. President Ping. President Ping. President Ping. So if pres if President Ping wins, Zuckerberg has to stop invading every person in the world's privacy. Mm-hmm. And if Zuckerberg wins, Ping has to start believing yeah. in Xi, basic human rights. Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping. Yeah. Xi Jinping. If Zuckerberg wins. You have to do something about basic human rights. I feel like that's a fair bet. Uncensor the internet. I think that's fair enough. Free to bet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we can sell, not we, but like y'all, so y'all get the money. Y'all can sell pay-per-view. I think it'd be massive. Everybody in China tuning in. That's because billions they have to. of people. Yeah, true. 
On the last show, I said that I think Xi Jinping might be the most powerful person on the planet. What do you think about that? I don't necessarily know what I think. I mean, he's definitely up there for sure, for sure up there. Um, I mean, the classic answer would be the president of the United States, but I don't really know how well that's going. I mean, I guess he technically does have his finger on the trigger of all of the nuclear bombs in the world, but... He tweets I mean, about it. He, he does tweet about it, but, I mean, for example, if, if Donald Trump told me what to do, I would not do that thing. But if I was a Chinese citizen and uh, President Ping told me what to do, I think I'd probably be a lot more willing to comply. He, do, he does have pretty direct control over the most, the largest chunk of the human population. So I feel like that's actually a fair statement. Yeah, he tells you to do, so, to do something. Or let me back up. If Trump tells you to do something, you can back. No, I don't want to do that. You know, I have the right to refuse. If President Ping tells you to do something, you say no, your whole family might disappear. Right. You know, it's it's China. It's, you know, I, I don't know what I meant by that. but uh, No, I get it. He'll say, hey, it's a, it's a big country, you know. Yeah. Accidents happen. People get lost. Exactly. You get lost. Your family gets lost. Everybody who's friends with your family, they're lost too. I don't know, man. I think that uh, is a lot of a lot of power and fear, and I think that he um, he produces that better than anybody. Yeah. Oh man, but these are. Um, I think we. I end up one of someone ends up saying this, probably me every episode. But these are just crazy times. <laughs> I like every every I time is a crazy time, but I think times are getting much crazier. Yeah, and the thing is, I know that's what every generation says, but but they they didn't have it like we have it. They don't have social media. They don't have instant views on everything yeah. happening in the world. The age of information, man. It, this has changed everything. Uh, we still have a long way to go. I I personally, I think that there definitely should be more legislation in terms of. Um, Maybe not, mo- I would say monitoring and just kind of keeping an eye out for har- not harmful sites, but just more legisla- internet legislation in place. Yeah, yeah, I remember a term that was getting thrown around. I've been on the internet for a long time, and I remember several years ago some people talking about when whenever anything would crazy would happen or whenever, like, any anonymous group would do something wild or horrendous that, like, we're kind of living in the the wild west days of the internet. Like people are going to look back in in ten to twenty years and say, "How was that allowed? How how on earth could you just have an anonymous account and just go after somebody like that or post that or do that?" But I recently wrote a case study analysis paper over the aftermath of the Boston Marathon bombing mm-hmm. for my media ethics course. Uh, communication capstone course with philip patterson the greatest professor at oklahoma christian yeah, shout out to shout to out dr. Patterson. dr patterson i'm sure he's the greatest professor in the communications college but uh i don't know about that man he's pretty up there uh anyway <laughs> so him and david lowry man both are for sure for sure uh we love our comm professors yes we do but anyway i i think that the what happened after the boston marathon bombing was sort of you, you could see it as a watershed moment in the end of the Wild West days of the Internet. I don't know how familiar y'all are with the situation. Essentially. With, with the, the bombing itself? No, I mean, everybody knows about the bombing. Everybody knows that uh, to... Like the aftermath of... Right, right. And so what happened was... Um, I, remember the, the, I remember the manhunt. Exactly. It was related to the manhunt. So 
there were a lot of misreports, a lot of noise and rumors and just bad reporting on everybody's side, and a lot of that originated on Twitter. But the, the biggest moment that what I focused my paper on was a community on Reddit. It was a subreddit called Find the Boston Marathon Bombers. So the FBI, a couple days after the bombing, released two photos of the suspects that they, they identified from surveillance footage. And Reddit, a bunch of anonymous people in a huge community on the largest online forum, uh, Reddit is one of the largest websites in the world, started being keyboard detectives. And they tried to work to help the FBI to identify the suspects. Well, there was this Brown University student named Sunil who had been missing for about a month before the bombing. And his family had made a Facebook page to try and find him with photos of him and his friends and his family. And Reddit tried to identify Sunil as one of the suspects. And that led to a BuzzFeed. It, it Im eventually immigrated to Twitter. A BuzzFeed reporter uh, retweeted it. I think Perez Hilton retweeted it. A bunch of really, really big Twitter accounts and really prominent reporters retweeted this that had absolutely no basis in reality. And it led to his family receiving threatening messages and, you know, um, threatening phone calls. It turned out that Sunil had nothing to do with this and he had actually uh, died tragically some probably sometime before the bombing. His body was found and identified after the suspects were caught. And it was a really the Reddit was forced to issue an apology, but it was it was a really important moment in history because it was just concrete evidence that social media is not fun and games, and the internet isn't fun and games. That it's all real people, real life, and that it has very it's very 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 easy for what happens in anonymous online forums to cross over into the real world. Reddit's crazy. Uh, that's my take. I just found uh, out that my mom has been going on 4chan. Oh, no. Why? Wait. Are you joking? I'm not, man. What she, for? She follows a bunch of political um, accounts and, like, people on 4chan. That's probably not a good thing. I don't know. I mean... I mean, I, I, I don't, figures, I don't use 4chan. I mostly... PewDiePie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mostly know the reputation of 4chan. I haven't really used it much firsthand. Yeah, I, I've never been on 4chan. Frankly, like, I, I got into Reddit a little bit in high school, um, and then I just kind of had to cut myself off. It's a good choice. It's a good you choice. Get, you can get lost in Reddit. It's very addictive. Yes. Last last January, um, I, for the month of January, I got off of Twitter, um, partially because OU had just lost the Rose Bowl in heartbreaking fashion, and I went into a slight depression not to demean you know, any, any people who actually suffer from that, but life hurt for like a week. Uh, so I wouldn't see anything, but also partially because I was like, I'm too into Twitter. Let me, let me take a step back. Let me, let me ease up a little bit uh, and get off social media as much. And I did, you know, for the, for the whole month I was off. The problem is that instead of finding something constructive to do at that time, I was started spending my Twitter time on Reddit instead. And then got back on Twitter, got back the same amount of time. So all of a sudden, I'm spending a lot more time on my phone, a lot more time on social media. Um, and at this, I think, I think at this point, it's hopeless. You know, I'm just, I'm just uh, glued to my phone most of the day now. 
Um, but I mean, there's there's some interesting subreddits. You know, there's some stuff I like to check out. Um, it's there's you just find people who have just really detailed knowledge about this very just I mean, anything. anything. Yeah, like the park services. You know, metalworking. Uh, you know, I'm IT security. Just just anything you could look for. Lawyers. You know, that's that's they're they're a dime a dozen on Reddit. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It is. Um, it's a really cool community. I um, going back to internet legislation. I think right now, instead like instead of implementing internet legislation, there's a war or not a war. I think that's a bit much, but there's definitely efforts to suppress certain elements of free speech. Yeah, and I think that Jack Dorsey is um, definitely a proponent of that, and definitely has definitely contributed to that, the CEO of Twitter. Yeah, he's he's definitely complicit. Yeah, like just banning like accounts that will tweet right-wing stuff, banning accounts that, uh, you know, like, and I, 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 I agree that there is things that shouldn't be said, you know, it's tasteless, but let the people like handle it. Like don't, don't, don't suppress him and don't let him don't yeah. take his ability to speak away from him, I guess. And I think I think worse than that, worse than what he's doing in America, you know, you look at, you know, places, you know, Twitter and in the Middle East for Turkey specifically, um, they're a lot, they have heavy censorship laws and, and Twitter uh, just goes along with it instead of saying, no, maybe we won't operate in Turkey out of, out of you know, principle. Um, you know, they're looking for that sweet, sweet ad revenue and they... Um, you know, they they work, you know, they don't let, you know, certain people speak. They don't let topics be tweeted about. Um, they're, they work with the government to, to feed that misinformation. Um, and I, I, I think, I want to say maybe it happened in Egypt also. I, I think it happens in multiple places. You know, they don't operate in China. Um, I don't think any, any major social media network. Well, there might be, I mean, there may be some Twitter. I, I, I got to say, I don't know that. But I don't think there's any major social media network, Western network, that's big over there. I think they have, like, their own that's smaller. But I think, yeah, that so many of these giant tech companies are a lot more concerned with making money than than making, you know, freedom of speech available. An open platform mm-hmm. to any and, like, everyone that uses it. But- well, this is the first. We got a uh, we got a first time call in on Squawk. I left my headphones at home, so I'm just gonna be responding to. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll relay the information. What do people say? Hey, who am I squawking with? Hey, Stu. Uh, well, what's your reason for calling today? Yeah, well, where do you stand on uh, internet legislation and uh, Twitter overall?
Well, I think uh, I think you definitely raise a fair point, and uh, I don't think I don't think anyone is saying that uh, Twitter shouldn't have the right to make money through ad revenue. Um, but I, I definitely would you not agree that there is a a growing suppression of free speech. Apologies to our Squawk Talk listeners. Apparently, the phone lines are not set up to the radio. Strong technical difficulties on so. Squawk Talk. Only the most quality radio here for you. Radio. <laughs> Cutting edge OC technology. Fantastic. Dolly Mika, why are you wearing a Celtics hat if you're a, f- a Thunder fan? Well, Stu, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, my guests and co-hosts are telling me that we're actually not hearing you on the radio uh the broadcast, so I think we're having some technical issues over here in Edmond. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm rocking the uh, the Celtics hat because my step grandpa bought it for me. All right, well, we appreciate your call good and reason. Uh, keep mm-hmm. on squawking. Bye, Stu. Bye, Stu. We love you. <coughs> Folks, sorry about that. I uh, was hoping that the uh, phones were actually connected to the radio, but... <laughs> Well, we'll try to figure that out for next week. Maybe, you know, maybe I mean, our last couple weeks of squawk and we'll... Well, look, there, I mean, there is a delay in the broadcast. Yeah. There is quite a bit of a delay. So maybe it did go through because... Uh, we, we we were listening and by the time it got to, to Stu, it was, it was dead air. Then we'd hear you respond to him and then it was, it was more dead air. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. Oh, that is killer. Do you want to summarize Stu's comments for us? Yeah, sorry about that. Basically, Stu, caller from Texas, was talking about Twitter has every right to make money off of ad revenues. Uh-huh. Um, and they should still operate as a business. Um, but he did agree with the idea that there is a ongoing and growing suppression of freedom of speech. And I think... He- it's 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 fair to say you know you can act as a business business, but I think there should be an emphasis on uh, ethics. You know, if people get on people get on Walmart for for suppressing, you know, uh, their their workers' ability to make money, um, you know, for suppressing their their wages. I think that it's fair to get on you know Twitter and Facebook for suppressing people's you know right to you know basic rights in in that sense as well. Um, you know we. In the business college, there's a big. Uh, it's it's called business ethics, and everybody has to take it, no matter your, uh, no matter what your um, specific major is, and you just you talk a lot about ethics. You talk a lot about trying to you know just debate and understand things, and um, and I, it might be because we're a Christian college, but just the emphasis on trying to do things the right way that helps people yeah. is a, a big emphasis, and I just don't think that you know a lot of these secular companies have that emphasis I, I get that and and one of the things that you do learn about in uh, I've, I've taken two different ethics courses in two different departments and both of them brought up uh, Immanuel Kant and his categorical imperatives there there are two versions 
the one that I feel like is pertinent to this conversation is that you should never use a person as a means to an end and that only every person has the individual right to be an end in their own terms. Um, and I don't really know that there's necessarily a way to rectify that with how social media companies and tech companies utilize people for ad revenue because basically they just want to get people on their platforms. They want to build the platforms to be as addictive as possible. You know, it's just an endless click hole that never really ends. And while you're on there, you're just getting fed ads. So it's, it's sort of just like a feeder farm for their bottom, bottom line. And I've heard that Instagram, out of all the social media platforms, is the most unhealthy I'm sure Instagram's so bad for you. Well, man, it just in, in what way? Well, I'm so, not a big Instagrammer. I don't. Um, it's, just, it's just a game. It's just a comparison game. It's a huge comparison game, and it it really, really never ends. There's all there's all sorts of different content on there. You can just get on there and get lost for hours, and it really is just people posting their most beautiful selves and right. basically lying to everybody. And people people put out what they want you to see. So people exactly. are putting it's out heavily curated and heavily edited. Well, yeah, and people are like I said, putting out what they want what they want the world to see, and most of these people are not happy. And this is a response to that. They, they want to give off the appearance of happiness. And I mean, I also heard that uh, right now, kids, the standard like stress level and anxiety level is what a psych ward would treat you for in the 50s and 60s. Yikes. Like we're talking. So we're lobotomizing schools. kids. My kids are not going to have social media or phones, man. My kids are going to go. Outside. I think there's going to be a growing pushback in the next, you know, five I really or so. so years of people who did like people yeah. our age you grew up with this yeah i think the gen media. z kids are gonna whenever they they come of age they're gonna start realizing sort of like um what they've so what's been sown and reaped for them and i think yeah. they're gonna start pushing back against a lot of it i think you know culture uh, is, is a uh, always on a pendulum always swinging one way to a point and then swinging back right the other. and i think the pushback on social media is starting to begin um you know, I think that that's the difference between, you know, millennials and, and Gen Z, like yeah. you're saying. I struggle because I'm not really sure where I fall in between those because everything you look up says that um, Gen Z starts, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Millennials end, you know, uh, early to mid 90s. And I was born may of 95 right so basically yeah. just right in the, the middle of the two i don't think i fall in either one of those yeah, that's, two camps I, that's what i would say i was having a conversation with with my boss at the brew carrie he's he's pretty firmly in the millennial camp um, by his he age i think that us as seniors i think that we are right now and this might be a little bit egotistical but we are like sort of the borderline sort of the cutoff like we're the very last millennials like i identify way more with uh, sort of like everything I've read about like millennials than I do with sort of the Fortnite culture. But at the same time, I still do understand the Gen Z culture. But I think that f current freshmen that are entering college, that entered college this year and that will enter college in the fall, I'm are pretty idiots. sure that, yeah, that too, freshmen are people. Um, <laughs> but I think that they are very firmly Gen Zers. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos, so I think that makes me not a Gen Z. Yeah, guy. yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. I, I'm on YouTube way too much. <laughs> um, I will say, I think another reason for just the fort, like you said, the Fortnite culture, yeah, kind of, and how a, just a video game has become a phenomenon. I mean, yeah, we've seen it in the past, but it's, it's the just, biggest thing in the world. It is. It, it's insane. Like, 
I feel like people, especially in the up and coming generation, have just had everything. You know, they've they've been born into the internet. Like at least, like I was born in '98, and it was st- the internet was there, but it was still developing. Right, but I don't remember a time in my life when I didn't know how to Google something. Exactly. Yeah, um, and si- it, since they're born into this, where it's already accessible and it's right. up and running perfectly, it's just life to them. They they can't imagine. They have no idea what it's like without it. And yeah, the, that, their that, baby toy was an iPad. Exactly. I man, I and I always question people that get their kid an iPad like at right. such a young age. Like I cuz I know if I had an iPad, man, I'd have trouble with a PlayStation 2. <laughs> like I like I'm playing Star Wars Battlefront. Like if, if oh, you gave yeah. me an iPad where I could go on YouTube, look up right. whatever I want. Like, dude, I, I think that would just be really damaging to a person. Yeah. Say, I, I didn't even have a computer. Like I said, we couldn't afford it. Didn't have a computer until I was in fifth grade, I believe. Um, I just had to go play outside. It was terrible. It's good for you, though. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was good for me. Do you um, ever get injured when you're playing outside as a kid? Do what? Do you ever get injured when you're playing outside as a kid? Yeah, I about cracked my head open on a skateboard one time. That makes sense. I don't know why. Do you shred? No, that was that was. That's the last why. Time. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> the first time I got on it, I tore up both knees and an elbow. The second time I got on it, I almost cracked my head open, and there's not a third time. Yeah, I, I, I did not wear like uh, you know elbow pads or a helmet or knee pads. Or you anything. didn't have knee pads on. No, I'm not a I'm not a punk man. I'm I don't a, feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah, I think my senior third year of high school. Third grade me was a, uh, a a dummy. I've always thought that skateboarding and longboarding is one of the coolest things ever. So my senior year of high school, I saved up some money. Uh, I dropped probably about $150 on a pretty decent like little longboard. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to ride it. I thought I was going to be sick, go to college, longboard my way to class. Rode it for about a week and hurt myself every time I rode it. And still have the thing. If anybody listening wants to uh, pay me for it, I'll sell it to you. Because I haven't ridden it ever since then. Man, my dad got me a pretty nice Santa Cruz. Yeah. Um, is that a longboard long or skateboard? Longboard, but it's like this company. It's like all all the majority of their boards are styled like surfboards, and they're like finished, okay, they're cool. finished like it. Yeah. So it's I actually kind of got a surfboard feel to it. Um, but I love that thing. I I need to ride it more. <laughs> um, before we wrap up. Uh, we talked a little bit about Game of Thrones, and I know you're, you're a big Game of Thrones. Yes, guy. sir. I Let's just it, I, I just learned that Miko is a Game of Thrones. Really, guy. really. Oh yeah. Have you been rewatching? Yeah, I actually last night we watched the the Hard Home episode. Oh, that's a yeah. great episode. And then it's the one episode. after that. Those two, season five, I think is weak. Is the weakest, but I think episode eight and episode nine are jam-packed with things. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alerts coming up. If you're not there yet, you may want to turn we're, up. We're going there. <laughs> uh, I want to say rest in peace to Princess Shireen Baratheon. Yeah, um, big that, facts. That was rough. Her getting killed makes me, like, I think the second time I watched it last night made me angrier than the first time I watched it, and it makes me so mad. Yeah. Rewatching it has kind of changed my perspective on a lot of different characters. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I watched the whole thing quite a while ago, and I've been rewatching it with my roommate. Last, the last episode we saw, um, I'm struggling to remember what happened. What, it, it was uh, in the most recent season. Um, was it before or after? I think it was Tom when o- Olena, Olena got it from yeah. Jamie. Yeah. And. Uh, Ooh, yeah. the episode when the dragons attack or the Spoil- another the spoils of war. Yeah, not it. That's no, 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 no. That, not that yet. Not, oh, not, okay, not right. when the dragons attack the Lannisters. It was when, when the Lannisters attack the Tyrells. Right. Yeah, the Lannisters attack the Tyrells, and John met Danny. Yeah, that's what happened in the last episode. 
So rewatching it, here, here's my new new hot take on each different storyline. I'll give you real quick. Okay. Um, Danny's storyline sucks all the way through. Whoa, it's whoa, boring. Whoa. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna contest that. Danny, uh. some cool things happen. Some cool things do happen, but for the most part, it's just her getting incredibly lucky. It's her going from place to place, having some problem. And then, oh, she's dragons. Problem's over. That's how she solves every problem. It, she doesn't have to rely on any strategy or really intelligence for the most part. She just is the one with the dragons, and so she wins. She gets an army. She gets boats. Everybody helps Danny out the whole time. Look, look I, I, I just got to say something. <laughs> I'm, I watched it for the first time, and I want, I want her in the throne. I think that every time she, or at least as of late, that she's tried to be strategic and... You know, what, what was she's it? gotten better. She's made some smart moves, well, yeah, especially c- considering that her main counsel, Tyrion, is not doing a good job. And I think Tyrion's doing a great job. Well, uh, for his own personal benefit, but yeah. not for Khaleesi. And here's the thing: I think that we're going to see Tyrion go back to siding with the Lannisters. Especially. I really doubt that Tyrion man, hates the Lannisters dude, a lot. I, he's got man. he's got such an elaborate character arc, and, In, I'm, and I'm telling you, like the spoils of war, especially just seeing the carnage of all these Lannisters, and then hearing. Uh, one of the uh, Dothraki soldiers saying your people can't fight, and that like violin starts playing. And, like you can see, man, he, he's sad. He's broken up. I think he's gonna end up going back to the Lannisters. He, he went. He debated. Uh, he went and worked with Cersei like one on one to talk to her to rend that truce. She talked about she was pregnant. He was like, what? And then it doesn't show the rest of their dialogue. He just comes back with the deal. Something shady. He agreed to possibly, something shady. Possibly, possibly. Something went down. Yeah. So, here's here's my favorite. Who do you think my favorite? Let me t- let y'all take a guess. Who's my favorite character? My favorite storyline. The Hound. The Hot Pie. <laughs> you're both sort of right and you're sort of wrong. Arya. Oh yeah. Arya is the best in the show. Arya's I love awesome. Arya. Team Arya. Arya goes hard 100 of the time. She's at the biggest physical disadvantage of any character in the show, even more so than Tyrion. And she just goes off. She just doesn't care. At all, she'll take on anybody, anytime. Yeah, um, we just got through the, um, uh, the 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 what is it the the the, the faceless know. men the faceless right, men right right and like the few like episodes where she's like trapped in the temple those are boring we're yeah like, yeah but they're necessary it, it is necessary I was just saying I'm glad to get through those now because now it's like well it completely changed her yeah yeah now she's like reaching her peak. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for winter's coming for House Frey very soon. Oh, you have no idea. It's and I'm so very good. Excited to see. It. Oh no, I, I've watched. Oh, all you, okay, too. you're rewatching. I'm it. on my rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, winter winter comes hard for yeah. House Frey. Just all over them. Uh, it's a, uh, it's 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 uh, a really cool scene. A really cool opening to the show. I'll I'll be honest, man. I was not crazy about the uh, the finale of season seven. Yeah. I barely remember it. I'm looking forward because the, the, the last seasons are the ones that I remember the least. I don't super remember a whole lot of what happened in season seven. The I mean, Night I'm, King got a dragon. That is what happened, yeah. He, he took down the wall. Man, yeah. if, the, if the White Walkers hate water so much, who went down there and put those huge chains on that thing? Honestly. And where did they get those chains? Some guy just carrying them in the that, back. That was the biggest plot uh, plot hole to me. Well, there have been a lot of big plot holes. There's a lot of a lot of people complaining about the teleportation yeah, that the starts happening. Time yes. is absurdly quick. Gendry runs to the wall and communicates with Danny, who's in Dragonstone, in like six hours. In the books, 
it takes weeks to go. Dragonstone is like a month King's away. Landing yeah. To the wall, uh, or to, to uh, Winterfell. They it's talk about that in, in the first season. It, it took yeah. it took King Robert a month to get from King's Landing to the Wall. And then to go or to that's to Winterfell from from Winterfell. Yeah, to yeah, the wall to the Winterfell. It's another like week, and dragons are not that fast. That's just I don't know. They're faster than everything else, but yeah. they're not that fast. Yes, I, I would I would venture to say it may cut the time in half at the very most. But mm. you would still it's still a matter of at least three weeks, I would say. Yeah. And they were just chilling out there completely surrounded for I mean, a while. Man, it's literally like it's much lower than an airplane and you're basically flying from California to Dallas Maine or something. Yeah. 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 Like, I do want to see the dragons fight though. I think the dragons fighting each other um, is gonna be is gonna be super cool. I think Okay, well, let's just... You think John's going to ride a dragon? Oh, yeah. For sure. Who? Okay, who's going to make it out? I think Jon Snow's going to die. Uh, for sure. I think I think Jon Snow sacrifices himself. I think Jon and think Tyrion have killed. epic heroic deaths. I think he's going to... I agree with you. I think he's going to sacrifice himself for Khaleesi. Like, I, I could see that. I, I hope Jorah Mormon, uh, Mormon... Mormon. Yeah, I hope Jorah makes hope it he, out. Oh, I hope he dies. He bothers me. Uh, you don't I like think, him? No, man. Why not? He's such like a like a old like I don't. He's no curmudgeon. He, no, he's just like a super thirsty old dude who's just like obsessed yeah. with her. Yeah, for sure. Like, he's very beta. It's like, dude, like. But man, he's in, he's in I love. Just, he like overcame. I just never liked his character. Like he like spied and then lied and then like. Cried. He, he overcame. And, ooh, he spied and then lied and then cried. Some fresh rhymes coming at yeah. you. Yeah. Um, um, I. I'll be honest. Another another character that I've rethought on my on my second watch all the way through. Euron Greyjoy. I like the dude way more than the first time. I know he does some bad things and he's not the nicest guy, but man, he's just so like he's just such a bad guy. Like he's just so sick. Like just does it, man. You hear the the producers say that um they want Euron to be are there there plans for him to be more hated than a uh, Ramsay Bolton? Oh. I, I could because like I don't hate him right now. Like he's I know he's one of the villains, oh, but he's, he's also gonna, just like a savage pirate who's really cool. I think he's. Dude, gonna, I, I hate him, man. I, he's I gonna, can't wait for that guy to eat it. He's gonna destroy someone. Probably yeah. Right after about episode one, Yara's probably just screwed. Yara's I, probably dead. Yeah. I, think so, yeah. I don't think Sansa's gonna make it. I don't think Tyrion. I really hope gonna, Sansa makes it. I could I could see Sansa ending up on the throne. See, I see Arya on the throne. I, I but here I would. I Arya does Arya have any throne. interest in it though? I no. think Gendry could end up on the throne. I see. I think he could, but I feel like they're that's a character they could easily kill off. Yeah. Because well, isn't he? He's Baratheon, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's technically he's the true heir. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't. He's not a. He's not the. He's bastardized, right? Yes. Yeah. Um. So that that just takes away any any claim he has, dog. Like, any like, you know, any land. Hot take. Any, Night King on the throne. <laughs> Hot take, yeah. The Team Night King, let's go. I just want to hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. I saw a theory that says Bran is the Night King. I've, I've read that theory. It's very interesting. But it's preposterous. I yeah. I wouldn't understand how that would happen. No. Well, oh, but it kind of relates to, like, what happened with Hodor. Like, yeah. Having that experience and, like, going back through using, like, the powers of a war, Three-Eyed Raven. Well, I don't know what the... Yeah, uh, Three-Eyed Raven. Yeah, Three-Eyed Raven. But it, t- it ties into that, and I, I I don't see that happening. I'll be disappointed. The two main things that I – or I'll just say the main thing I don't want to see in the final episode or just the conclusion of the show 
is them destroying the throne and yeah. then forming like a republic. And yeah, that like, would suck. That would that, be that would be ridiculous, man. That I don't think anybody wants that though. Everybody wants to be in charge. No. Nobody, nobody wants to share it. Well, yeah, but here's the thing: if you know for sure that if Khaleesi and John made it out, that would probably happen. I've also heard a theory for the. I haven't read the books, but I've heard a theory that just because of how the books are written, as more of like a long form history and not necessarily sort of like a novel narrative that there really is no ending and that this is just like a really 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 big chunk important history of the history of essos and westeros and that game of thrones might just like george rr martin might just kind of like trail off and not even let it end george rr martin will die before the show does (laughs) like what uh, i heard is it's like uh, something like that was like a samuel tarley like writing everything down yeah and like if that happens if it ends with samuel like all right i hope you guys like my book I will be furious. I've never liked Sam. Sam, uh, oh, he's kind of useless. He's super useless. Sam, but I mean, he's such a good guy. He's a he's good so, guy. He's the most redeeming character on the he's show. He's so just pathetic, and I'm yeah. just like, dude, just I don't know. He's just always like, but he's proven himself. But he's still like brave and still a hero. Like, kill, yeah. Like, uh, he ran up on a White Walker a white with walker. a shard of glass, and he had no idea what was going to happen. Just to protect, uh, protect Gilly, his lady, Gilly, yeah. Gilly and that baby. You know, I respect that. That's honorable. Uh, it's just, it's like, dude, just running to certain death to save his and lady. Crying. Just like, How man. is he still fat? But that scene. How is he still fat? He <laughs> has to walk everywhere. That scene, the heart home. Is that what it's called? Mm, yeah. Heart horn or heart uh, hard home? A hard home. Hard home. Okay, that scene where the cannibal guy, the, the bald guy's running at him, and he's literally, like, loading the crossbow, just, like, pops that guy right in the face. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam can, I think he can handle and take care of himself. But that's, that's just be Oh, no, that wasn't hard thing. home. Hard home was when the, John goes north of the wall. That was, oh. uh, that was when the that's White Walkers, when uh, Mace R- Mance Raider invades the wall. Yeah. Yeah, the wildlings. Yeah, dude, what did y'all? What y'all think of Stannis? Stannis is the worst person in the Screw world, bro. Screw that guy, man. Stannis is he such a terrible his person. Daughter alive. Dude, so what? so many spoilers. We are we are ruining the show. Yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, we <laughs> said spoiler alert as soon yeah, as we got into Game of Thrones. I don't I don't even know if we emphasize it enough though. This is some big spoilers. He burned his daughter alive. Yeah, no. Stannis is an unredeemable for character. What, uh, what's the What's the red-haired lady's name? Melisandre. She yeah. needs to... I can't wait to see her die. Yes. And I hope Sir Davos kills her. I hope... If Davos doesn't make it, I'm, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, man. I want... My part... They're not really big characters. They're more um, secondary characters. But Davos and Tormund, Giant's Bane. Oh, yeah. Are my two Fantastic. favorite. They're great. Him. Tormund and Brienne, you think, going to end up together? <laughs> have, have big, giant babies. Hey, yeah, man. D1. <laughs> D1. Man. Or an... Uh, also, the Hound. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to the Hound making a, a reappearance. The Hound oh, needs the to fight the mountain. The Hound will definitely kill the mountain. I mean, that was just such a cool quote. Whenever uh, the Hound and the Mountain were like face to face, you know, when everybody was meeting yeah, up. Yeah, you know what's been coming for yeah. you. Yeah, you know, your whole life. Yeah, it's like I don't know what they've done to you, but yeah, and it's like I can't wait to see one of you kill each other. We better see the mountain's face. Yeah, oh, I'm so curious to see what that. Elixir or whatever they gave him did to him, but gonna be such a cool reveal. We kind of did see his face. I you think see, you see like his like his eye. No, he took his helmet off. He, did you see the back of his head though? Yeah, you saw it? most of the front of his head. Whenever Cersei had that nun like chained up. Oh, I know. Yeah, you saw that, most that of his is face. An intense. Scene. Yeah, 
that that is I'm I'm gonna have to go back and look at that then. Right now I'm still uh, she's still in jail. She hasn't done like the walk of shame yet. I don't uh, think she's getting out, man. Cersei will. Die. I think Jamie is gonna kill Cersei. Oh yeah, no, they're. I think they're both dead. Yeah, and that inbred baby inside of her. <laughs> I don't think that baby. Yeah, that baby doesn't ever make make it to the light of day. Dude, well, the thing is, like, I I do apologize if anyone listening has not seen the show. Uh, the Red Wedding was spoiled for me. And uh, if anyone's still listening who hasn't seen the show, you either don't care or you're just. You're not. Or you smart. love squawk that yeah. much. Or yeah, you love Andrew Bigger's voice. <laughs> yeah, that very monotone dry voice. <laughs> I should do my uh, Chris Walken impression for our next show. And tonight we are joined by Sam Morstein to talk about. Some I could politics. be on NPR or like host a classical radio station. Yeah. And that was Johann Sebastian Bach, D minor, and, uh, Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra. Like I, I could. That might be my calling. I might I might want to do that. Next week we will have Tchaikovsky and his his ballet about the nutcracker or whatever. I've been told that my I couldn't do it. I've been told that my voice literally sounds like an obituary. <laughs> um cuz <'cause> it <laughs> I I don't I don't take offense to it, you know, mm-hmm. it's just It's how it is. It's how it is. We all have voices, they all sound different. You know, as as people who hear my voice can attest to. Um but that's life. Hey, um, Sam, let's end it on a high note. Okay. What's uh, what's something what's something good that happened for you over spring break? Man, a lot or of really good things happened to me happened. over spring break. Spring break was Florida, a really long right? story. Yeah. Spring break is a whole other squawk talk, guys. <laughs> uh, I think it's a squawk talk at night. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if we can talk about most of it on OC Radio. We, we could. We got a nighttime squawk. I think a lot more people would listen yeah. after all the professors are asleep. So no, yeah, seven thirty p.m. Man, I want I want the calm professors especially. A big shout out to Josh Watson for following uh, Drop Top Squawk on Twitter. Oh, uh, thank you, Mr. Watson. Yeah, he's he's a fan of the show. I, I would love the calm teachers to tune into this. Yeah, um, good thing that happened to me this week, man, man. Um, it's, I'm going to a concert tonight that Ooh. I'm really excited for. Who's who's uh, playing? Uh, it's band called Death Grips. I'm going to Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa with a couple okay. friends of mine. They're, they're kind of low-key. They're not the most popular group in the world. They're sort of like extreme, sort of experimental, industrial, hardcore hip-hop. Okay. Yeah. Kinda, not for everybody. Pretty niche. But um, <laughs> if anybody's curious, Death Grips, I recommend starting off with uh, their ex-military mixtape or the Money Store album was their first major release. Canes is just a cool venue. So I've never be, been. That'd Tol- be a good time. Tulsa is just a cool place. I've been I've been to Tulsa. I've been to Crybaby Hill last summer, and that was a lot of fun. Crybaby Hill. Mm. It's, a, it's a really big bike race, the Tulsa Tough, every year, and there's a section of it called Crybaby Hill where people just kind of turn it's it into like a street steep. festival. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We can, we can talk about Tulsa opinions and another squawk. Yeah, I saw you shake your head. You're not a... I'm As a longtime resident of Tulsa, I think I'm just less impressed with it than others. That's fair. I mean, I'm not necessarily but impressed with it because I'm from DFW and yeah. that's a real city. But it's nice to get out of OKC every once in a while. Yeah, it's fair. But good thing to happen to you this week. Uh, good thing to happen to me this week. Um, you had an, another couple of job interviews. You know, going well. Let's um, go. Shout out Evan Lockhart helping me get hooked up with a uh, uh, an interview. So just still in the job hunt, but I feel like I'm starting to make traction, you know. I'm that's not good, just, that's good. Not just spinning my wheels. You're building the network, too. Trying to. So how about you? 
Man, I, uh, I took a test yesterday and I'm feeling pretty confident about it. Nice. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at. But, uh, Sam, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for having me. Absolutely. We should, uh, we're going to look into a nighttime squawk show, I think. Yeah. All right. Be I'll be awesome. down. Got a, another secret guest for Tuesday. You have to tune in and listen. Yeah. And be sure to follow uh, us on Twitter. That's drop top squawk. A lot of people are looking up drop talk. And I know that would be make more sense, but <laughs> it was taken. <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah, hit us up, drop top squawk. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on Tuesday, 9 a.m. Love you guys. Goodbye. Keep on squawking.